Brett McGarry. This week on the Couch Potatoes, the fall schedule takes a major hit due to COVID with the loss of one of Canada's favorite shows. Plus... I'm Jeff Braun. Is money playing so bad it's good? I watched it and I'll let you know. And my Netflix world tour continues, taking me this week to Germany, then Turkey. Bad news for one of our favorite reality shows. CBS and Global TV are no longer planning on airing Survivors Season 41 this fall. CBS had pulled Survivor from its fall lineup as the pandemic continues to halt production on the series. At the end of Season 40, host Jeff Probst was hopeful that they could soon get going. Let's talk about our 41st season because normally we show you a cool promo. For obvious reasons, we haven't been able to shoot, but man, we have some fun ideas. We're always trying to explore and evolve the show and take chances and we're going to do that and we're committed to being on in the fall with our 41st season which means you should apply especially if you're young i'm talking teenagers 16 17 18 19 do it cool parents in a cool school who knows it could happen Production for season 41, which will take place in Fiji, was delayed in March, and officials in Fiji are still evaluating the best time to start production again because of the safety for everyone involved. Survivor is the first show to be pulled from CBS's fall TV schedule, and it's a bummer for us because we love Survivor. Yeah, we love Survivor. Canada loves Survivor, consistently one of the highest-rated shows in this country, and we talked about this a few weeks back, that Fiji is, you know, it's so remote, and uh, they've declared themselves COVID-free. But uh, in terms of Survivor bringing in their team, uh, they've got like a crew of 200 people or something coming in from all over the globe to work on this show. So they they were trying to figure out the logistics and how to make that work. And it just uh, they don't quite have enough time to do it uh, because I think they were hope the idea was that once they got clearance from Fiji, that they would get going on filming in July. Uh, But here we are in July, mid-July, and uh, that's not going to happen. Now, CBS isn't, you know, it's not all hope is lost, at least for CBS. They do have, we've mentioned the 32nd season of The Amazing Race. They've had that in the can for almost two years now uh, because that wrapped in 2018 and was supposed to actually debut finally this past May, but then they pushed it to the fall in anticipation of, you know, needing to fill some programming holes. So at least they've got that. Uh, and then they, so CBS, meanwhile, is going to move SEAL Team up an hour on that day. And SWAT, which uh, had been slated for later in the season, is going to be back. But neither of those shows have started filming yet either and uh, additional information about production starts and premiere dates will be announced later uh, but that's you know going to be complicated because you yeah. know COVID-19 cases are surging in California uh, you know earlier projections for a resumption of production in the summer uh, apparently looks a little overly optimistic so this could be bad for the the networks man because like Netflix seems to have this endless stream of stuff in their vault to just keep dumping out but uh, the networks need these shows because without the new shows they they make their money on advertising yeah it's gonna be it's gonna be weird and uh, netflix apparently or at least has said that they've got like enough stuff already in the bag to last them into next year 
But yeah, these networks certainly don't. And I don't know if we're just going to see a lot more shows that have a season set in the mountain somewhere where, or just all these people, just all these shows that are just taking place in remote locations or something. Cause what else are they going to do? Right. These, these, the cop shows or whatever set in LA, that's going to be the toughest thing to pull off wherever you need like a big city backdrop. But so, yeah, so that's. Survivor, the line says Survivor is the first show to be pulled from the fall schedule, but it sounds like it probably won't be too long before a few more aren't. I don't know. Maybe I wouldn't mind rewatching the an old season of Survivor if they put that on there. I'd probably watch it if it was a good one. You know what? That's a, that'd be a good idea because I have never seen the first three seasons of Survivor. I didn't jump on board until season four, and I think that was the first Boston Robs uh, season. Yeah, um, yep. was that Marquesas? I believe uh, was men versus women. Oh, is that what it was? For the first four episodes, oh, whatever yeah. like they do, right? That's yeah. right. Oh, and pardon me, it was 400. Their crew numbers are over 400 and are wow. flying in from over 20 different countries, so they needed to create a need for just more time to fully analyze and uh, create their new production safety plan. But uh, yeah, I've never seen the first three seasons of Survivor. I'd like to to see them, and it'd be, it would be interesting to go back and watch to see how the game has evolved over oh, 40 seasons. It would blow our mind, I think, to see either one of those. Those first three seasons especially were all very kind of different from where you get to now. Uh, Survive. The the third one was in Africa. That was actually a pretty interesting one. I would I would really like to rewatch that one. That had some characters in the Lex and Big Tom. It was uh, I guess the season that Ethan was in first. But it looked yeah. miserable too. The conditions looked miserable. They had to build like a fence around their compound because they were like lions and stuff. Like that. <laughs> Okay. Well, there's, that's probably one of the reasons why they've never gone back. It just looked like absolutely punishing. And I guess that was part, like, it, they, they call it a social experiment, but for CBS, putting a show together, you know, trying to find the right recipe has also been an experiment. And they, they've yeah. essentially d- made Fiji their permanent home, right? Yeah, because at the beginning, it, it, they, it seems like they intended to be like a global show because the second one was in Australia, the third in Africa, that Marquesas one was Marquesas, obviously. Then there, after that, there was like the Amazon. They kept go, trying different spots, but they think they quickly realized, like, we just need a tropical island. That's all we need. And if we like establish a home base, it'll save us a ton of money because they often do two seasons back to back just on different parts of Fiji or whatever. Yeah, that's right. And they have said as well that they will, they are committed to doing seasons 41 and 42. So no survivor this fall. That stinks, but they will at least have the Amazing Race. And that's another thing that didn't happen this year. The Amazing Race Canada uh, didn't happen this summer because, you know, of course, the pandemic, they usually shoot that, I think, in March and April. So there's no way that was happening. So that's Survivor. Uh, but I also see that there's a shakeup for another popular unscripted TV show. Yeah, big moves this week at Dancing with the Stars. Tom Bergeron was always quick with a joke or turn of phrase as co-host of Dancing with the Stars. So we go from the woman who has new screws to the people who have a few loose for their score. And after 15 years and 28 seasons, he's out, along with co-host Aaron Andrews. The show says it's going in a new creative direction. No word who will replace them. Dancing with the Stars scheduled to return this fall. Bergeron has been with the show since the beginning and says in a tweet that it's been an incredible run and the most unexpected gift of his career. Finishing with, quote, now what am I supposed to do with all these glitter masks? Jason Nathanson, ABC News, Hollywood. And as soon as they announce that, they turn around and announce that Tyra Banks will be the new host of Dancing with the Stars. And they just said a new creative direction. 
sort of wonder if there's something else going on behind the scenes there that they would want to make the change. But uh, I don't know. I always, I never watched this show either. But I like Tom Bergeron. I used to watch, he used to host Hollywood Squares. Like 20 oh, years yeah. ago with Whoopi Goldberg. That's the first place I saw him. And, uh, and, uh, and I thought he was fun on that. He's a very, very good uh, game show host type of a guy. Because he also did the America's Funniest Videos for a while. And I actually watched an episode with him hosting it just uh, last weekend or whatever. Just flipping around and when I was having lunch, I was like, oh, home videos on? I could watch uh, guys get hit in the junk for five minutes. All right. <laughs> I did watch Dancing with the Stars for many seasons, and he was indeed a terrific host. And just the way he would say, live, it's Dancing with the Stars. He just, he had so much personality. He really did add to that show. Like, often the host is just kind of there as a sort of the, the setup person. They just tell you what's happening, and now let's yeah. get to the action. But he really was uh, just as big a part of that show as anybody. And uh, that was one of the shows, like, I used to watch a ton of unscripted shows all, all the talent shows american idol dancing with the stars there was one summer where i think they they were like a dozen different uh talent shows like there was i mean america's got talent i think was the only one that really survived but i used to watch them all it just was too too big a time commitment because they all had their competition episode and then they had the results episode and eventually i just said i can't I just can't keep doing this. But Dancing with the Stars is a fun show. He's great. Tyre Banks is great, too, though. So, I mean, at least they went yeah. out and found somebody with tons of personality. Hopefully it works out for them. That's what I thought, too. I was like, I like Tyra Banks. I'm still not going to watch the show, but it <laughs> seems, like, seems like, a, like an even trade. Yeah. All right. And then what's going on with, uh, with Fletch? A new Fletch movie is in the works. Now, how long have you had these pains, Mr. Barber? No, that's Babar. Two Bs? One B. B-A-B-A-R. That's two. Yeah, but not right next to each other. I thought that's what you meant. Arnold Babar. Isn't there a children's book about an elephant named Babar? I don't know. I don't have any. No children? No elephant books. <laughs> Yeah. Chevy Chase starred as Fletch in the 80s. He was an investigative reporter who's mostly a snarky Eisenheimer, as we saw right there. Now, Chevy Chase won't be reprising his role. Instead, this modern-day reboot in the works will belong to John Hamm. I was going to say you may know John Hamm from Mad Men, in which he was terrific, but I think in Canada at this point, John Hamm is known as the guy from the Skip the Dishes commercials. And he's very funny in those commercials. He's also been very funny in Kimmy Schmidt, Curb Your Enthusiasm, the movie Tag and Bridesmaids, Saturday Night Live, lots of other stuff. He actually made a pretty good career decision once Mad Men hit to quickly show off his comedy chops so as not to get typecast. Chevy Chase is a pretty unique comedian, so I don't think this new Fletch will feel... The same as the old Fletch. The movies are also based on books, apparently, and the new movie will also be based on one of the books, so maybe it'll be quite different because I'm pretty sure Chevy Chase was ad-libbing a lot on the set of those movies. There were two Fletch movies in the 80s. The original in 1985 made $59 million on an $8 million budget. The sequel, Fletch Lives, in 1989, made $39 million, also on an $8 million budget. Um, I rewatched the original Fletch a few weeks ago, and it was still pretty funny, and I remembered liking Fletch Lives when I was a kid but every grown-up i've heard of talk about it since then says it's awful so i, I i'll have to rewatch it at some point but i'm not really looking forward to it now because it probably isn't that good no word yet though on when this new fletch uh, may happen i imagine they'll be you know playing it by ear like they do everything else right now yep and uh, i 
have never seen either of these Fletch films, but I did very oh. much enjoy watching this scene. Like, you sent me the link for this scene yeah. so I could record the clip. Uh, the clip is called Bend Over, Mr. Babar, and when he get, when he eventually <laughs> bends over and the doctor starts inspecting him, he starts, he's in the middle, mid, mid-sentence, and then he just starts singing, Moon River. So right. every guy can relate to what's happening in that scene, and, and Chevy Chase just does a terrific job because uh, he's got that nice little... Uh, sort of subdued, very subtle delivery. I don't know that I'd go so far as to call it dry, but it's uh, you mentioned unique, yeah. and yeah, I don't know that there's anybody out there quite like Chevy no. Chase. He's like that that friend. Everybody's got that one friend who can say like sort of the most horrible things, but get away with it somehow. That's yep. Chevy Chase. Okay. Up next, we're going to tell you what is new this week. If you're looking for new shows, we got some ideas for you on streaming. And we want to tell you about a new movie coming out on Netflix with Jamie Foxx and Joseph Gordon-Levitt that looks rather powerful. You're listening to The Couch Potatoes. I'm Brett. He's Jeff. We are The Couch Potatoes. If you're looking for stuff to watch this weekend, there are some highlights coming to streaming this week. Let's start with Netflix. And this actually arrived on Thursday, July 16th. A movie called Fatal Affair. It's a Netflix film and uh, kind of a similar title to Fatal Attraction. It stars Nia Long as a married woman who finds herself threatened by a man played by Omar Epps she had a brief affair with. So it sounds essentially identical to Fatal Attraction, just the roles are reversed. Instead of a crazy woman, it's a crazy man. There's another Netflix film called MILF that's out right now. Three beautiful French women in their 40s go for a beach party vacation and they meet and have affairs with men who are younger than him. That's uh, that's where the MILF comes in of it all, I guess. Sounds fun. Yeah, I I might have to check that out. I I had never (laughs) even heard of it until I went and looked at this list here. It's going to get a lot of clicks this weekend. For sure, probably. Uh, coming. So this one debuted on uh, Friday. It's called Boca a Boca, a.k.a. Kissing Game. This is a six-part Brazilian series, and it's a story that kind of had unintended resonance, as described by McLean's. Young people in a small town must give up kissing when it turns out that it's the main source of transmission for a deadly disease. So that's interesting. Uh, There's another Netflix original series called Cursed, based on the novel by Frank Miller. He, of course, wrote The Dark Knight Returns in the 80s. And Tom Wheeler, it's the origins of the King Arthur legend, but retold as a teenage drama. So it's from the point of view of Nimue, who you may know if you're into King Arthur stuff, the future Lady of the Lake, and she teams up for a quest with the future king, King Arthur. On July 22nd, this is interesting, and I, I, when I, Netflix, I, I woke up on my couch and Netflix was scrolling through it just like like uh, showing you slides of various shows. And I saw this thing for Norseman season three. It's for fans of Viking related comedy who crave something more authentic than Hagar the Horrible. This series from Norway <laughs> apparently hits the spot. Season three is described as a prequel to season one. So I might actually have to check that out. That uh, sounds good. I like comedy and uh, Viking stuff. Also out, uh, a show everyone knows or has at least heard about, it's called Sons of Anarchy and they're plopping out seasons three through seven, so if you've watched the first couple of seasons and not seen the rest, get on it. Yeah, a lot of people are watching Sons of Anarchy now that it has arrived on Netflix, they'll be very happy with those new seasons arriving. And just very quickly, we mentioned here, new on Prime Video this week, uh, these arrived on July 16th as well, Peppa Pig Festival of Fate and Terminator, or pardon me, Festival of Fun 
one. Sorry. <laughs> I was jumping ahead to Terminator Dark Fate, which is a film that I have not yet watched, so maybe I'll check that out. And speaking of movies landing on Netflix, a trailer debuted this week for a movie on Netflix starring Jamie Foxx and Joseph Gordon-Levitt. It's called Project Power. Power, speak a little loud. If there was a pill, they could give you five minutes. So they get it. I'm embedded with the power. Pure power. I'm embedded with the power. Would you take it? It is set on the streets of New Orleans where there's a pill going around that gives you superpowers, but there's a catch. You, you, it only lasts for a few minutes at a time, and you have no idea what your power is going to be. You could be strong, you could be invisible, and it might kill you. And, of course, crime skyrockets, so Gordon Levitt plays a local cop who teams up with a teenage dealer of the pill, and Jamie Foxx is a former soldier driven by a vendetta. And he risks taking the pill in order to take down the bad guys. It looks really cool. It's out on August 14th. And should also just mention on the subject of Jamie Foxx, he's playing the first black lead in a Pixar movie out this November. That is called Soul. It follows an aspiring jazz pianist and an untimely accident finds him in the great before where he helps others prepare their souls for Earth. Speaking of souls, in a moment, we got to tell you about something else that is coming soon to Netflix and it involves souls going up or down. You are listening to The Couch Potatoes. I'm Brett, he's Jeff, we are the Couch Potatoes. In a moment, and I'm excited to hear about this, Jeff is going to tell you about a movie that's so bad, it's maybe good. But first, we just told you about a movie that is coming to Netflix on August 14th called Project Power, starring Jamie Foxx and Joseph Gordon-Levitt. It's about a pill that gives you superpowers, and that actually looks pretty cool, so I've got high hopes for that. But Netflix also revealed this week the trailer for the first half of season five of one of its most popular shows, Lucifer. Hello, bad guys. You're here. Yes, I got a bit bored, so I thought I'd pop back up. Lucifer's acting different. Down there, time is different. I was in hell for thousands of years. A few things might have changed. Lucifer 2.0. You're back. Great. How could you go home without me? I'm not Lucifer. Lucifer told me he had a twin brother. Nice to meet you. I'm Michael. I am not going to break Lucifer's life. I'm going to take it. Okay, so Lucifer, if you're not familiar with this show, it debuted on Fox originally, and it was on for three seasons before it was cancelled, and there was a huge outcry, a major campaign by the fans on social media, so Netflix said, you know what, we'll take it, and it's been on Netflix ever since. Uh, it's about... Lucifer, the Lord of Hell, who decides, you know what, I'm bored of this, and he, he just moves up to Los Angeles and opens a nightclub, and 
because network television is obsessed with making everything into a crime procedural, because this is based on a graphic novel, and from what I understand, the similarities are few and far between. The, he becomes a consultant with the LAPD. Of course, they don't know that he's the devil. Uh, they just He just ended up being very helpful on a particular case, and they said, you know what? You can help out. So there it is. The devil helping the cops solve crimes. It was a fun show, especially uh, Lucifer. The character is great. And the actor who plays him, of course, the name uh, escapes me right now. Lucifer actor, his name is Tom Ellis. He is super fun, but I stopped watching it halfway through season three because it just has too many stupid supporting characters. And, like, I don't mean the the, the number of them are, is stupid. It's just they're stupid characters. And I just I couldn't watch it anymore. I have not watched the Netflix version to see if they've trimmed the fat and trimmed out some of that garbage. But even watching the trailer, I can tell that. It still looks sort of hokey, but I'm tempted to go back because I kind of miss Lucifer Jeff. He was a he's a fun character. So there's that. But now let's go from underground to from hell into the sky. Yeah, a lot of people are saying it's the best worst movie of the year, and I like watching a bad movie every now and then. So last night I rented Money Plane. It's a legend in the underworld. casino in the sky untouchable by any government agency whatever you want to wager on the money plane has you covered russian or it is they carry up to a billion on board in crypto and millions in cash i want you and your crew to take down the house that's insane yeah heck might even be a good time now without further ado sit back relax and prepare for takeoff. Money Plane stars Adam Copeland, who you may know as Edge in WWE Wrestling. Does that sound familiar to you, Brett? I don't watch wrestling. Oh, yeah, the rated R superstar. He's one of the best. He's a great Canadian wrestler. He's And he just recently made a comeback because he had to retire uh, years back because of an injury, but he got medical clearance, and he's in the best shape of his life. He's awesome. Well, I hope he saved his wrestling money because he's not going to make it in the movies. The movie also stars Kelsey Grammer, Frazier, of course, Thomas Jane, and Denise Richards. Well, not really Denise Richards. She is billed fourth, but she has two scenes and maybe three lines. Uh, she sort of disappeared from my viewing anyway about 20 years ago, so it was shocking and kind of cool to see her, though. Money Plane is a heist movie, and everybody likes a heist movie like Heat or Ocean's Eleven or Den of Thieves. And, of course, Brett, you enjoyed the Netflix series Money Heist, which you watch this spring loved it so, was that i loved it <laughs> there you go so i was pretty excited to see what was going to happen here unfortunately it's the most boring heist of all time this gang of four led by edge is forced to pull off a heist by a mob boss type nicknamed the rumble played by kelsey grammer who at one point actually does say it's rumble time <laughs> yes uh, yes <laughs> I don't know. Have you ever heard uh, Kelsey Grammer drop the MF bomb before? That was very, very strange to hear, especially because I just rewatched Cheers the past couple of months. Frazier would never swear like that. So Kelsey Grammer wants this gang to rob the money plane. And here's where I found out that it's not just a terrible title for the movie. It's what the people in the movie actually refer to the plane as. They call it the money plane. They say, welcome aboard the money plane. 
So what is the money plane? It is a casino in the sky. A bunch of shady high rollers get on board. They take off. And once they're up in international airspace, they gamble on whatever their hearts desire. Why not just go to a casino, you ask? Because on the money plane, you can gamble on things you can't gamble on at a casino, like Russian roulette, or how long it'll take a person to die from a variety of different torturous events, which the gamblers watch on little iPads. So that's the other thing. These high rollers on the money plane, they're all bad guys. And Edge and his game gang board the plane with different bad guy aliases and of all the bad decisions that were made in the making of this movie they make edge this main guy pretend to be a human trafficker which is just plain gross because they get into some detail about it why not just make him a drug or an arms dealer when you add human trafficking to the equation it's just unsettling and not in an entertaining way it's, it's very distracting actually because it was it's just such a stupid move that it's jarring when they introduce an element like that or a stupid movie they introduce an element like that and it's like whoa wait that's a real serious thing and it's gross to even think about it but they want that juxtaposition of the hero pretending to be you know the worst kind of human there is now i just called edge a hero which i guess he is they certainly want us to think so anyway uh because he is a thief but here he's sort of being forced to pull off this job by the rumble so amongst the bad guys he's really the good guy i don't want to spoil their actual plan for the heist for some reason but i will say it's very very simplistic and it involves edge flying the plane for most of the time he's the hero of this action heist movie and spends 80% of it sitting in the cockpit just talking to people over the headset and he's so nonchalant about everything that I almost wondered if the big problem the crew was going to encounter was going to be that you know he was going to fall asleep while he was flying the plane but he didn't but he's just boring the whole plan is boring um you might remember in Ocean's Eleven when they get the whole gang together and Clooney tells them the plan. That's a great scene. It's an exposition scene, but with Clooney and Brad Pitt and Matt Damon, it's also entertaining, and in this, not so much. Two of Edge's gang are on the plane with them. One stays on the ground with all the technical equipment. The two on the plane are a lady who's an awesome fighter. She poses as a flight attendant. The other is a computer hacker guy who plays Edge's assistant and goes by the fake name McGillicuddy. I still don't know if that's an intentional shot at humor or just a ridiculously bad choice of a name by the writer. And uh, and what I haven't said is that Joey Lawrence is in this movie, too. He plays the concierge or the host on the money plane. He explains all the rules and everything. And even though it is a criminal enterprise, he's very polite and sophisticated, sort of like how that hotel is run in the John Wick movies. That's the sort of thing they're going for. Joey Lawrence, by the way, also the brother of the director of this movie. And that director, is incidentally, is the fourth member of the gang who stays behind on the ground with all the technical equipment. And Thomas Jane is in it as well. He's a, a friend of the main guy. He also stays on the ground. And in fact, he seems to serve no purpose until the end um, other than to sit there and spout nonsense while smoking a pipe in the weirdest way that I've ever seen anyone smoke a pipe before. It's just scenery-chewing nonsense. I don't want to give away spoilers, but suffice to say, the twists and turns near the end of this movie are nonsensical. I literally could not understand the point of almost anything that Kelsey Grammer was doing and the movie looks cheap it's actually looks like bad TV that thinks it's good and then I started wondering if maybe it wasn't a TV script that they tried just padding up to make into a movie because there are very long stretches where the story doesn't really move along and that's saying something because this movie is only 82 minutes long to begin with 82 terrible minutes so now the question is is the movie so bad it's good i'd have to say sort of i laughed quite a bit at a lot of the lameness in it and the bizarre performance by the edge as well as the cliche performance by many of the other uh, actors or the characters um, one of the passengers for example is a cowboy 
and it's as dumb as you might think that might be. Overall, I didn't really laugh that much, though, and certainly not the $7 that I paid for it. It's not really worth it, which is what it costs to rent. So it was kind of a fun watch, not as fun as I was hoping. Other movies that are similarly bad often have much better action sequences to sort of make up for it. And Money Plane, I found to mostly just be a dud. Two couch cushions out of five for the Money Plane. All right. And in a moment, we can't get on a plane to go international. But because of Netflix, we can take a virtual world tour. And I've got two shows to tell you about. You are listening to The Couch Potatoes. I'm Brett, he's Jeff, we are the Couch Potatoes. Talked about my Netflix world tour. I watched two shows this week, the final seasons of these two series, which I very much like. And this first one I've been talking about a couple of times in recent week, recent weeks. I finished season three of Dark. Aus welcher Zeit bist du? Ich frage es nicht aus welcher Zeit, sondern aus welcher Welt. So it's a German show, in case you haven't heard us talk about this yet or you missed those episodes. It's a German show set in a little town called Winden, and there's something weird going on in there, and the main character, Jonas, eventually learns that you can travel through time in this town. There's a passage that goes underneath the nuclear plant, and when he goes through it, he wait, he ends up in another time, and that began this loop that it just gets so mind-bendy. Season one, well, first of all, this show just has to be saluted for its ambition because any story that takes on time travel, Jeff, uh, it can be very good, like Back to the Future, or it can be very bad, or even... Like, I still, with the Avengers uh, Endgame, I'm still not entirely sure that I'm sold on <laughs> how they did their time travel, but I'll give it a pass because it's Avengers. But, like, if, if for to get time travel stuff right is hard, right? It's almost impossible, even with something like Back to the Future, where I once read a thing where it's like uh, scientists that are study this sort of thing say Back to the Future has got it better than anyone else. But even that's going to have a couple of holes if you if you poke too hard. And anything with time travel is just it's on such shaky ground to begin with because it's so easy to screw it up. So you got to sort of you got to like the Avengers. You just got to go with it and enjoy it for what it is. Yeah. Now, season one of Dark was. Super mind-bendy. Season 2 was even more mind-bendy. And then Season 2 ended with a huge twist that made it way more, like, infinitely more mind-bendy. My brain was going to explode. There were so many things that threaded together in a confusing yet not confusing way, provided you were paying attention. And ultimately, the series ended in, I think, rather satisfying fashion. Season 2 was the best season of the three for me. And uh, Rotten Tomatoes agrees they've got Season 1 at 89%. Season 2 at 100% and Season 3 at 95%. So if you like time travel stuff and you like trying to wrap your brain around the crazy way things tie tie together and you like watching shows that will challenge you, A, to pay attention because you have to pay attention in this and not just because it's German. I mean, I, I watched it in German and with English subtitles, but you can turn on English dub if you prefer. But Dark is just, it's a cool show. It's intense and uh, it will make your head explode you know but in a fun way so dark season three the final season good stuff and then once i finished the third and final season of dark i switched to the fourth and final season of a show that debuted on july 9th the protector (laughs) 
so Dark was German. The Protector is from Turkey. <laughs> and I know you might be thinking, do you watch any shows in English anymore? Like, Jeff, you mentioned Money Heist, which is a Spanish show. We've both right. talk about, uh, we've both talked at length about Trapped, which is Icelandic. We both watched that show Ragnarok, which is, that's from Norway, right? Yep. Okay, yeah, so we watch yeah, a lot so of that's, stuff. That's a good... That's already, we've got quite a bit of the planet covered right there. We've got to find an Australian show or an African show or something. Well, an Australian show would be in English. <laughs> You'd still need subtitles. <laughs> okay, but listen, one of the reasons why I like checking out these different, or shows from different countries is, and we've talked about this before, but I like being exposed to the different cultures, as well as the different storytelling, right? Like the, the shows, like the show from Norway, stuff from Norway and Iceland, they've got, uh, it's called a Nordic Noir uh, in particular. They've got almost an entire genre of the way that they tell their stories. And I found with The Protector, uh, a lot of times it's just like very passionate. You know, the characters, they, they don't just often speak, they scream because they're always fired up and it's just a cool show i mean it's kind of superhero ish the protector is about a guy who he gets this magic shirt that turns out he's the only one who can wear it because he's a descendant of this elite line of protectors who are uh they they need to protect istanbul from these immortals who want to destroy it and uh so it's he's got this magic shirt and a magic dagger and it sounds kind of dorky i know but uh i started watching it in December 2018, and that's kind of one of the interesting things about this. It debuted December 2018, 10 episodes. Season 2 arrived in April 2019, so five months later with eight episodes. Season 3 in March 2020, that was seven episodes. And then and then season 4 in July 2020, so four seasons and done in <laughs> under two years. So if you like kind of... Kind of comic booky stuff with an international flair. The protector is fun. The the main character does have to go through some pretty awful stuff. Like each season ends in a in a really bad way for our character to the point where you go, come on! Like how much pain can one character endure? But uh, it comes through in the end, and I was actually really pleased with the way this series ended as well. So two series, both for me, stuck the landing. The Protector is a quicker watch because the episodes are around 40 minutes. Dark, on the other hand, I think they're closer to 60 minutes per episode. And like I said, it's heavy. Like, I, I don't think you could... If you if you can binge Dark, like, straight through, or even, like, three, four, five episodes at a time, I salute you, man, because it's tough. So there you go. Wow. So what are you going to watch now? You've got two shows that just uh, cleared the deck for you. I don't know. I sat on my couch kind of scratching my head. I have got all this stuff on my PVR, but I know I have a couple of episodes of Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. piled up, and I still have to get back to Snowpiercer on Netflix because I've been really enjoying that. And if you've got any suggestions on stuff for us to watch, you can always tweet at us at CouchPotato68. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast wherever you get podcasts. I'm Brett. He's Jeff. We are the Couch Potatoes. And remember, if it requires getting up off the couch, don't bother.